You're listening to the Lone Star Plate Podcast with your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. All right, y'all, welcome to the Lone Star Plate. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. What do you say we jump into this? Our guest today is James Fox. He's a director and executive producer of a new film out called A Moment of Contact. You might have heard of his last film, The Phenomenon, probably the best documentary on the UAP UFO topic I've ever seen. Um, very compelling. And this new one, he upped his game. It's absolutely wonderful and compelling. Watch the film first. It comes out today, October 18th. So go watch it and then come back and watch this interview with James Fox. It's unlike any of the other interviews he's going to do about this film. Okay, I promise you. It's not like the other ones. So watch this one. Spread it. Like it. Hit the subscribe buttons for more. Okay? You're going to want to see this episode. And please feel free to check out part one, two, and three of our UFO uh, series in God and UFOs we trust. Excuse me. Uh, we've got some great videos on our YouTube channel. Those we'll put a link in um, in the description and in the comments for that. But this film is absolutely amazing. A moment of contact. My gosh, our conversation was even better. So without further ado, let's jump into this interview with director James Fox. I'm so excited to share this with y'all. So please let us know in the comments what you think. If you have any other questions for James, we could probably get him on again later on and have a more in-depth conversation that's not just about this latest documentary. Now, we'll say we discussed some other topics in there. It's a well-rounded uh, interview. So please sit back and enjoy and let us know what you think. Sorry if it looks like I'm in a hotel room because guess what? You are. Hi, I'm in a hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Hey, you're a traveling man. You got things to do. You're busy. That's that's a good sign. Yesterday. You're on the I, run, right? Yeah. Who's chasing you? Men in black? Is that what's going on, James? Keeping it moving. <laughs> keeping it moving. Never in one place for, for one night. No, no, yeah, keep it, yeah, keep it moving. Keep them off the trail. Keep them off the trail, man. Listen, after this latest doc, this film you have, I see why. It, uh, it, it was the know. scariest uh, production I've ever, ever done. And not just what was on camera, but things that were happening off camera as well. I can yeah. imagine. Is that one of the most, um, yeah, I guess, sort of remote, sort of out there places that you filmed? No, I filmed all over. I was, I've was i been to Australia, Africa, uh, China, but I've never been threatened to be shot in the face like <laughs> on any production I've ever done and, and by someone who is very serious. Sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, and yeah. and um, I'd been told that that witness was uh nearly impossible to track down and even the family of the people we can get into it later but the family of of the of the passenger that was with him that he won't even talk to them um and he wow. gets really nervous so somebody got to him and, and put the kibosh down he'd been hiding and i could see it in his face when i when i saw him you don't really pick that up as much in the camera but i was looking him in the eyes and i thought to myself well, this guy has been harboring something very significant for a very serious, a long time. Crazy. I do. I do want to get into that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm getting, no, no. Yeah. But trust me, because um, I have a question about what he was holding in his hand. Um, I you're not alone. <laughs> we were all speculating. Thought. 
Yeah, that was my first. I was like, zo let me zoom in on this. Let, what is I going know. on here? Yeah, Th this looks crazy. No, uh, yes, for sure. Th again, this was such a. I got to say, the way you built up the film, as I'm watching, like the way it builds up, it just grows. The tension builds and builds and builds and builds. It's just so good, man. It's so revealing. Um, so yes, congratulations on another wonderful film. Shout Thank out to you. the last one, The Phenomenon. Also amazing. Absolutely loved it. Huge fan. That was my first film to see of yours. And man, I just can't wait to see. What else you got coming out? Unbelievable. I, I'm going to really. start shooting my next film in November. <laughs> Dude, I love that. Look at that. Listen, that's gonna make, that makes people happy. That just makes people <laughs> happy, man. I mean, you, you know, maybe not, uh, you know, being at home for you, but uh, for the rest of us, we get to enjoy <laughs> your fruits. Uh, so thank you. Oh, uh, thank look, you. Yeah. Let, let's well, jump into this. Uh, this film is about um, specifically, well, so, sort of like Brazil encounters, but specifically one in 1996 in uh, am I saying this Virginia. right? Uh, Virginia, right? Which is just like Virginia. Is that the same? Virginia. Word? Yeah, Virginia. But does it mean Virginia in English? Kind like of from the state, Virginia. Virginia. It's a very good question. I've never been I, asked that. I don't know. I think it comes from that. I speak Spanish, like my, you know. My oh, Spanish, okay. Right? Uh, you say Virginia in in Spanish, right? So in a lot of like Portuguese, Brasileño is not all the way, but I can understand like twenty percent, right? So yeah. I think it's the same word anyway uh yeah no, you might be very you, yeah you're on to something there so anyway i thought that was interesting but um so it's, it's specifically sort of about and i never heard i never heard about this that's what i found most i never heard about this so um, i was completely blank crazy. on the subject going into this right i didn't know any i had no preconceived notions or things i'd seen and yes even go so far as to like they captured some beings or something like reportedly uh it, this this takes like a, a whole turn right in this documentary. Can you give us just like a brief overview of maybe just the initial encounter in 1996, just so we can like wrap our heads around Abs or get a foundation absolutely. here? So I have to start off by saying that I don't expect your audience to believe anything I'm about to say. Because <laughs> if I were you, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. I think that's the first time anyone started a podcast like that with me. I, I love it. I love it. Because <laughs> I I didn't. I didn't. It took me 10 or 12 years just to look into it. In 1996, January, I think it was like the evening of the 12th, January 12th or early in the morning on the 13th, there were a number of people who witnessed an object that looked like a cigar-shaped object, and it had a gash in the side of it. It looked like it was in trouble. It didn't make any noise. It was flying very, very slowly. Uh, no wings, no tail, no visible means of propulsion. It had like a, a vapor coming out the side and a gash in it, according to the witnesses. That, let's see, the morning of the 13th, probably around 5 a.m., a gentleman by the name Carlos de Souza, he was a um, pilot on those little ultralight airplanes, and he was driving up into the state of Minas Gerais, which is to the north of Sao Paulo by about four or five hours, and he was going to go meet some friends, uh, and he was just outside of a town called Virginia, and he sees this object over over him on the free when he was on the freeway up over a, a hill off to the one side. And he's thinking, my God, that thing's in trouble. What that you know, never once did it dawn on him that it was of you know other origin, right? He sure. just thought maybe military plane of something special operation. He didn't know. But he saw it go down and he was like, that that thing just crashed. So he turned off the freeway and he went up to investigate. And he arrived, I don't know how much detail you want me to go in, but basically he arrives on a field of 
of metallic uh, foil-like material and then a large part of the object still intact. And uh, and um, he picked up some of this paper and he said the smell was so putrid. It was ammonia and sulfur so bad that he had to get his shirt and put it over his mouth. Wow. And um, and his water, his wife, his eyes were watering. And he picked up a piece of this material. And he said, you couldn't really feel it in your hands. He said it was light as foil, but just didn't weigh anything. And he crumpled one piece of it up. I think it was about that big. And it just regained its on its own. And as that was happening, he still wasn't thinking extraterrestrial. He just, he, yeah. you know. Why would just, you? Why, why would you? you? And then the military arrived on this on the coming from the opposite direction from a military base called as a military base that was the center of operations they came they threatened him they pointed a gun at him you didn't see what you saw get out of here he thought well that was all he frighteningly gets into a car off he goes please seven days later in the town of virginia which is roughly 12 to 15 miles away people uh both military and civilian witnessed these strange beings that they thought maybe were the devil. They didn't know what it, what these creatures were, but they were feeble. They were scared. They were cowering. Um, they were not doing well. They had oily blue skin, big red eyes, spindly arms and legs, weak. They were not threatening at all. I interviewed uh, three young women from 14 to 21, uh, Katya, and uh, Valkyria and Liliani, two of them were sisters, and they came within eight to 10 feet of this creature in broad daylight. We went to the site, and, but there were lots of other operations. They military cordoned off the town, um, and there were, uh, and these beings were captured and-, uh, and Separately, ultimately, right? Like separately. Yeah, they were captured separately. Yeah, one, I think one was shot and the other one was just captured. Uh, we can go into that if you, if you, you yeah, yeah, no, no, know. for sure. I mean, really, I just want to go how far, however far you want into that. Oh, I'm happy so, to, you know, go further. Yeah, so, yeah. so there were, uh, for the first time, and I'm told this by Brazilian re researchers, and I, and I went to Brazil for a month, uh, four times in investigating this case, wow. um, over a 12 year period. And quite honestly, when I'd heard about this case, probably for the first time in the late 90s, from a co-producer of a film I did called Out of the Blue, this guy, Tim Coleman, he yeah. told me. And I just thought to myself, you know, Tim, seriously, you're, <laughs> a UFO crashes and you've got these live beings walking around the town. I was like, come on, man. And I just refused to even look into it because I just thought this so unlikely. It does sound, it sounds right. It sounds surreal. Absolutely. Just, yeah, That's why yeah. I'm telling your audience, don't believe anything I'm saying. Yeah. I, would, <laughs> I really mean that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when you hear the testimony, when you go there and you hear the reports from these witnesses, both military, civilian, firemen, local media, pretty compelling. I agree. I, I concur, pretty man. Pretty damn compelling. It's just a lot of, my first thought of all of that is thinking, okay, that's just a lot to coordinate all of them together. Let's lie on this together. We don't even know no. each other. Why, why are we gonna people, all lie? You know what I mean? People have no idea, not one single, not one witness, not one, wasn't a fight to get to go on camera. And some of them, we spent the better part of 10 years. Carlos de Souza, who watched it crash, he gave one statement briefly to a UFO researcher in 1996 and then vanished for 26 years. And my partner, Marco Leal, 
who's been my boots on the ground and, and a couple of other fellow Brazilian researchers found him and managed over time to slowly get him to convince him to come forward again after 26 years. Other witnesses wow. like the doctors, they'd never gone on camera before. We yeah. found them, Marco had found them and spent seven, eight, nine years trying to get them to come forward. The military yeah. guy who allegedly drove one of those creatures around, Military X, that guy said he's never going to come forward. That was the craziest interview. That one right there a, was just like, wow. We had a window in time, a sliver about that wide, barely opening. And I looked over and we were in Virginia and he was way to the north. And uh, I said, just, just meet, just meet me. Let me just, let me look you in the eyes and let's look each other in the eyes, you know, kind of thing. And he agreed to do that. And so we went, we jumped in the car at night and drove up there and we've, and long story short, we got him to come forward and it was, he's been the most sought after witness and he was never going to come for ever. He was going to take it to his grave. And the fact that it's we got powerful. Him, his testimony so is powerful. powerful. Absolutely. Especially y'all taking him to the site and like, yeah. oh the yeah. Emotional response. Oh, so oh. incredible. Um, so genuine and, and uh, emotional. And even the camera pans to you and you're getting emotional. It's, oh, I, it's yeah. like, I'm getting emotional. I'm yeah. watching the thing. I'm like, Jesus, this I is, know. This, it must be a crazy memory for him. Oh my uh, gosh, right? could you like, imagine? Yeah, just a flood of emotion and memories being there too, um, having a hard time finding it and almost like almost giving up for a split second. There's this oh, moment oh. where it's just like almost giving up and then you just kept pushing. You know what? Let's just go down this hill. Let's keep, I'm, yes. I'm so glad you did that. Well, it's really funny actually because I'm, ext I'm extremely tenacious. You know, they say that <laughs> there's only like three things in life that you really need. I, I had this like famous film editor one time. He, he'd won uh, awards, Oscars. Um, um, Walter Murch, he worked on English Patient, Apocalypse Now. He was a neighbor of mine, lived up the street. And wow. he said, James, you know, think of life as sitting on a three-legged stool on the bow of a ship in rough seas. One leg represents tenacity, one leg represents talent, and one leg represents luck. He said, very, very, very rarely in life will you have all three of those planted on the deck of that ship. You're usually relying on just one, right? <laughs> so whether it's tenacity or luck or talent, and every now and again in life, all three of those. And I thought, wow, so if I lack the talent, I can, you know, if I'm tenacious enough, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Sometimes you learn things. And I always think about that. But, you know, um, I I was out there thinking we're going to find this spot like this. Not finding this spot is just not even, you know. Yeah, we're out here. Not, we got the guy right. Like we, we are, are not leaving. Find this yeah. spot. And I remember kept saying, how sure are you that you could see this small white house? And he kept sure. saying a thousand percent sure. I know I could see the wall, but the trees had grown up in that part of the field. So you couldn't see that white house. So I started to get the drone out and do mapping from overhead, which was a very helpful tool. Oh, I bet. That's when I spotted the white little house. I was like, okay, I think we found the spot. And and then, you know, he ran down there. And of course, he I mean, once he found the spot, you could see his, oh. You could see him building the whole like memory out right there. Like, you know oh, what oh, I mean? Totally. He, you could you see know the, what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah the, the, the seeing it all playing yeah. his head in his eyes in fact our photographer our our uh, lead photographer 
my DP is a guy named David West. He's a seasoned videographer. He's done stuff at the White House, National Geographic. He said that was one of the top three moments of his career. Wow. Tell me that scene just because he's like, he's like, actors can cry out of one eye. This guy was crying out of both eyes. Yeah, that's you hilarious. <laughs> was oh, he was, it was power. That scene was so powerful for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, it almost so None seemed... of these witnesses, none of them yeah. came looking for us. We had to hunt them down sure. and beg and plead them to come forward and share what they knew. Because everyone's got a little piece of the puzzle. <clears throat> Very few people know the whole, the whole picture, yeah, right? You have to put point. them all together. That's a good point. Crazy. And then we find out that the Americans are involved. Yeah, that bit about the Air Force plane, right? Uh, coming down. Um, yeah, you know, I think maybe the connection with the um, material, right? Uh, the first thing I hear when he, the foil-like material, I think Roswell. Yeah, of course. Right, the yeah. same sort of, right? I mean, who didn't think, you know, if you're watching that, that's what I thought. I thought, well, yeah, that makes total sense. Um, that they would come or does it make sense? I don't know. Uh, it's at this point, um, to be honest, uh, you know, every person I met with both the civilian and the military, um, I wanted to know, like, where did this stuff go? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. So I asked everybody that question and everybody immediately responded. The Americans were involved. And then, but then when we got the the radar guy, control yeah. tower, yep. talks about the plane that came in on the 22nd of January. We know where that stuff was on the 22nd of January because we got the guy who drove it there, right? In Campinas. It's where all the intellectual heavyweights are in, in the state of, in the country of Brazil. They have Campinas. It's like a university. It's like a, all the scientists. It's like a the, the center. And, and they took it there and I guess they studied it for a couple of days. And then a, a United States Air Force plane flew in and um, into Campinas on the 22nd, exactly when it was there. And then did what they're going to do. Some helicopters flew into the town of Virginia and then back to the United States. And now there's no idea of like exactly what they took, right? Whether it be um, recovered crash material and being or one or the other or. We don't know witnesses along with it like disappearing them to right we, like we yeah don't, we don't know well wow. i i'd like to know and believe me i'm gonna you know there are other aspects uh, when, when did you watch the movie uh last night okay so do you remember the end yeah oh yeah like what we what we wrote at the end it's kind of significant but sure i was very carefully trying to figure out how i could state that aspect of this case without jeopardizing our initiative. In other words, there were cameras in 1996. There were video cameras in 1996. Therefore, there's stuff there. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. uh, um, now, are you sure that there's stuff there? Or are you just like, oh, I'm not positive. That there's stuff there. Oh, no, okay, no, so I'm, I'm 100% you're positive. You're positive there's stuff. You just got to find find it. Well. Find it and get it. Let's, let's put it this way. Even if you, excuse me. Even if you Convince find, the I, person I, to turn I it over. I just had a mango. Yeah. I just had a mango smoothie. <laughs> even if you find something, hypothetically, now what? You have to talk that person into giving it to you. Right. Sure. That's probably and a tougher battle. Think about that transaction. How does that go down? Sure. 
you offer a very, they're terrified. Witnesses are terrified. People's lives have been threatened. They'll tell you on camera. They all did. You know, while we were there filming, we had meetings with people that were directly involved with the incident. And we either had meetings scheduled the following day or we had just met with a, with someone. And the next day, the local military base, as it was calling those witnesses. Oh, we understand. Uh, oh, how you doing? Yeah, you still living at the same address? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And your family's doing well? Good, good. Yeah, we heard there's an American documentary film crew in town. And have you, have you talked to them? Have you... Have you met with them? Did they reach out to you? Uh-huh. Well, we we'll really hope your your family. Yeah, no, I'm not kidding you. I was getting spooked. And so, you know, and that's just testimony. Now imagine if you have a piece of evidence. Just think yeah. about that for a minute. Yeah. Think of the Absolutely. lengths they're going to go to. Think of the, the lengths the Americans are going to go to to make damn sure that piece doesn't get out. These people are terrified. I'm telling you, they're terrified. And, and um, but... I guess where I'm getting at is this film coming out. My hope is that it will encourage others, both in America and in Brazil, to come clean on this case. And, and I'm, I'm convinced that that will happen. In other words, this film is just to be the catalyst for for more sure. transparency, for more people to come forward. It's it's a recruiting tool. If you thank will. you, yeah. And, you know, open it up. I mean, you know, and so I'm I'm, I'm very excited about it. I mean, did I want to hang, hang on and, and wait till release the film till we had that definitive piece of evidence? Sure, I kind of did. But then I thought it's not about me or my film. It's about the case. Getting the case out there, is, as far as I'm concerned, is, is far more important. And I think the case that we make in a court of law would probably sway any jury that this case happened. I mean, if you were trying to replace that with another scenario, right, that was most people believed it, you're right. There's enough evidence to say this happened, right? Like, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. actually a great point. Um, you know, a question I had watching this was, you know, as time goes by, evidence deteriorates, right? They say that. But witnesses and things like that, they typically tend to open up after a longer period of time after a traumatic event. So there's sort of a pro and con of coming back and looking at something that happened, right, you know, back in the day. Do you think you could have made this film before? I guess you said you've been trying to make it for 10 years. You know, is this well, something that could have been made right <laughs> after it or? No. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. No, no, no. Needed time. And, and the doctor who performed the x-ray technician who did the x-rays reportedly of this creature he thanked well first he said no for seven years because we found him marco leal my partner found him and went to the hospital time and time again no 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 i'm never going to talk he finally went on the record provided we shot him from the back disguised yeah. his voice and at the end of it he said Thank you for giving me that opportunity. I've been shouldering this burden for 26 years. Thank you. Like, I feel wow. like that a, a weight lifted off of them. And they all said that to me. Thank you for providing this opportunity because I've been shouldering this burden for 26 years. And could you imagine, just put yourself in their shoes for a moment. <clears throat> imagine if you had had that experience. Imagine if you'd driven this ET around. Just whether you believe it or not, imagine... Yes keeping that from the rest of the world. That's the most significant event in modern history. 
I mean, yeah. in fact, I can't think of anything more significant. Can you? No, not I can't. No, absolutely. So imagine how we would feel harboring, keeping that from the world. Absolutely. You know, that actually is a question I have later on down here at the end, uh, but I'll ask it now. We're kind of here. You p pivoted there. I was going to ask you if, if you ever saw, like your advice to people if they ever saw a UFO <clears throat> and what would you do if you saw a UFO? Would you approach it as your advice to like approach these things, uh, try to well, interact with them? Well, and so would you tell somebody? Yeah. So, uh, well, the climate has changed since 2017. Uh, the New York Times published that uh, form, former secret Pentagon UFO program, ATIP. Yeah. Things definitely changed. There have been people in the intelligence coming forward, people that were involved in the program coming forward, former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid coming forward saying, look, there's more to this than swamp gas and weather balloons. Um, and the vast majority of significant evidence has not been released to the public. And, and, and that we don't think it's Russians, we don't think it's Chinese, and it's definitely not us. Those are some pretty powerful statements coming at very high levels. Um, and you can't put the genie back in the bottle, right? But you, so uh, was what I try to get back to my point that I was trying to make. Um, I Approach think the UFOs. Yeah, no, well, okay. uh, yeah. Uh, I think you can now talk more seriously about an encounter. I don't mean in talk, I don't mean talk about, I mean like if you saw UFO, do you recommend like actually approaching an actual UFO? I mean like- Well, from what I understand, like an account. From everyone that I've ever spoken to uh, within a certain proximity of the power source that there's radiation. And- so, um, so don't get near it. I, my understanding, you know, I'm just explaining from what, sure. what, I've, what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, of course. Is that there is uh, radiation something to do with the power source but i've talked to people that have gotten within 10 feet i mean there's a landing and if you if you remember a case i covered in the phenomenon it was a landing that happened at a school outside yeah, yeah. melbourne it's called the westall ufo incident it happened in 1966 and there were 360 plus witnesses that saw this ufo darting around in the sky above the school and then it landed on an adjacent forest like right over to the edge of the playground and a handful of the kids ran jumped the fence against the will of the teachers and they got within i don't know 10 feet as it was sitting on the ground and i interviewed them and you know it's so rare to get the opportunity to speak to someone who's come within 10 feet of a ufo landed on the ground within in broad daylight that you actually believe right sure but they said it very made very little little to no noise little to like a humming or a buzzing and then it came up off the ground i think about 15 or 20 feet and then it pipped, pitched up to the side and then shot off at like like it was shot out of a gun out of the barrel came like a bullet coming out of the barrel of a gun yeah yeah absolutely <clears throat> and uh but yeah getting i don't back know to your, getting i am scared to, your point, to go to get near them i i don't know um, yeah well uh you know who else came kind of close to one which is kind of fun is that that police officer lonnie zamora who saw that egg-shaped craft, which I keep thinking about the Tic Tac, that, that infamous Tic Tac that they talked yes, about. Yes, you're right. That's written in the news everywhere with David Fravor, the pilot. But this was 1964 in Socorro, New Mexico. And he, he was walking up to it when it took off. I think he got within 35 feet of it. Um, 
but he was terrified of the propulsion and this blue, you know, anyway. Of course, I, I just, I, I, I just, I, I would just be absolutely terrified. I, I personally don't recommend it to people. I say, get out your camera. Yes. And, and take video footage, right? Like don't get all goonies on us. Just, just you know, get the, just get the footage and, the and send it to James Fox. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, somebody, somebody, uh, Joe Rogan just posted something, uh, of a guy that had an encounter with a mountain lion out in the middle of nowhere. And this mountain lion was kind of come after him and he, was filming the whole thing. And Joe said, I don't know about you, but I would definitely have put my camera down. But this guy had his camera out and he's filming as this thing's coming at him. I'm like, oh my God. That's kind of a good point. That's kind of a good point. I mean, if the UFO is rushing at me, yes, I'm dropping the camera at that point. Uh, (laughs) But you know, it's it's unbelievable how many witnesses I've interviewed that said the last thing on their mind was getting their camera out. They were so I can I can kind of see that though too. You're just mesmerized. Which doesn't make any sense, right? When when you're talking about it, you're thinking, who wouldn't that's the first thing you do is grab your camera. People are just like I don't know. I've been in no? some pretty like crazy situations where I didn't grab my camera out. So I, I like think about your most whatever moments in life. You don't probably don't have them on film or a picture of it. You know, yeah. it just it happens. You you're in it, you know, an argument or so, something emotional. You just I don't know. I can I can believe that, to be honest with you. That's like Neil deGrasse Tyson's almost famous for saying, like, why don't they just pull out a camera I grab or grab a an ashtray off the UFO? Okay, are we being serious yeah, yeah. here? Like, come yeah, on now. Well, uh well, this is crazy. So so we we do know that there have been very good photographs and video footage taken um by the military and, and it's been confirmed. I've interviewed the people that had it in their possession and then handed it over to the government. Of course, never to be oh, seen wow. or heard from again. I had Senator Harry Reid confirm. They have film footage of a landed UFO circa 1957 at Edwards Air Force Base. Mercury astronaut Gordon Cooper went on camera and told me about it. Wow. Yeah, she saw the film. He didn't roll it, but he held it up and he saw a landed disc on the on the. Is desert. that the one that came down where they were shooting something, like a commercial or something? Yes, they were shooting. <clears throat> so sorry. They were shooting uh, the installation of F-86 fighter jet, like landing installation and landing and takeoff spot. And this thing came in and landed and they turned their cameras on it. I heard about uh, that. Yeah, Gordon Cooper uh, got the film processed and then he said he held it up to the light and he looked, and he looked at it and it was a good film of wow. a disc. And he got the higher up and higher up in, in Washington, D.C. And finally a courier jet came in from D.C., took the film footage and never seen or heard from ever again. And I asked him, did you follow up on it? And he's like, well, how, you know, it's classified. Do do? Taken. Yeah. Nothing to follow up. I followed orders. I did it. That footage gone. There are a handful of those cases from very credible sources that I've interviewed. So we know that there is there is good footage, uh, you know, that needs to come out. Even the Tic Tac videotape, you see um, the the Tic Tac shoot off to one side of your audience has been following the UFO phenomenon that ATIP program on the yeah. cover of the New York Times. We have a we we actually have a Lou Elizondo coming on as soon as this book comes out. Oh, we've good. Work that out with his people. Yeah, we'll um, talk to him about it because I. I've heard from him and others within that program that the that what was released and it wasn't really released. Quite honestly, they found a loophole and, and snuck that stuff out of the Pentagon. That that's I mean, kind of what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's funny because when my film came out, the New York Times people called me up and they said, How, what, "Did wait a minute? Did Christopher?" <laughs> it, he, he said it very craftily. He said something like. 
we found a loophole and walk, but they found a loophole. I mean, if they'd asked, hey, we want to release these UFO videos, that would have never happened. They hey, found I'm a glad loophole. They did it. Walk those down to the Pentagon. But apparently, according to people that were part of that program, you can see other videos that are not been released that are longer and that these objects perform like shoot off at 90 degree angle turns and things of that nature that immediately eliminates the possibility of anything conventional. But those are not have not been released yet. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't but, even know if we're ready for this stuff to be released in a way. I, I don't know. <clears throat> uh, are we are we really ready I know we think we're ready, but are we really ready to, to, to even imagining and thinking, okay, the universe is huge. There has to be life out there. If that's what you think these things are, if they're not mm. other dimensions or other time or whatever, yeah. right? That's one thing to think. But another thing is to know for certain it's true, right? So are we really ready for that disclosure? You know, I, I've, I've said this before on interviews and, and I, I'll stick to it because it makes the most sense to me and and it, and and it's been shared with me from pretty high level people <clears throat> they say um if we come out with what we know we also have to come out with what we don't know so you expose your vulnerabilities not just in a in a, in a way of protecting like because they don't look at it as in this philosophical Wow, sure. we're not alone in the universe. And what a mind expanding epiphany that would be. Yeah. <laughs> That's not for them. It's like, wait a minute, suddenly we've got other life forms, an intelligence that is all around us that has the ability to manifest itself in a multitude of ways. It's nuts and bolts, but it's also psychic. We don't know who they are, where they come from, what they want. They fly rings around our fastest jets. Thank you and good night. I mean, you know, I mean, do you see their point? So yeah. there are people within the government, I'm told, that do want this out, that people are entitled to this information, whether it's a little scary or not, and sure. that that everyone should know it's just part of the bigger universe. It's just part of our story, our history, our reality. Um, but there are others that are reluctant to do so um, because of potential panic I, I look i'm not telling you i believe this but they say that you know the impact on religion the impact yeah politically it's just going to have uh on the economy I, I i spoke to uh robert bigelow um bigelow aerospace bass right yes exactly and he was the one given the <clears throat> the um um the government contract for atip and what preceded yes. um osap and all that osap yeah you know, and, and and if you look up his name, you'll see that the government has been kind of pushing UFO cases in his direction for decades. And I don't know exactly why, but he's a billionaire. He's had think tanks, NIDs, where he's had the intellectual heavyweights in the world, in the scientific community, trying to figure this stuff out. And um, I, I did a film called I Know What I Saw back in 2009. I finished it and it came out on the History Channel and uh, it's a good little piece of work. And I got a, a message from his office and it was actually from his secretary just saying, Hey, Mr. Bigelow wants to congratulate you on a job well done. He really enjoyed your movie. I thought, Oh, that's cool. Hey, love to meet him. You know, I wrote back and yeah, he'll get together with you for lunch. So we did, I got together. I met him in, in, uh, at his home in Las Vegas. And you know, whether you like Bigelow or not, or respect him or whatever, 
uh, the guy's certainly in a position to know a lot more than the average Joe. That's for sure. That's sure. no question. Yeah. And he said to me, the impact that they have determined that the impact this reality would have on society would be uh, tremendous. <clears throat> and not in a good way. He felt like the economy would collapse, religions would collapse. I'm just telling you what he told me. I'm not saying sure. I believe it or I don't believe it. Sure, that's sure. what he said to me. So if that's the case and they really believe that. They're going to hold back at no, at no cost, right? At all costs, they'll hold back if they really believe when, it. When in the Virginia case, the three girls came within 10 feet of this creature in broad daylight in this like little field next to a cinder block wall in the town of Virginia. That was at around three o'clock in the afternoon. At around 5 p.m., two hours later, just a few blocks away, there were two military men on patrol. I'll get to the relevance in a second. Eric Lopes and Marco Chuizzi. And they were told to look out, be on the lookout for something incredibly unusual, something like that. Not like a UFO crash or not that there's ET, none of that, just unusual. They're driving 5, 5.30 at night. The creature that the girls had seen goes across the road in front of them, squeaks the car to a stop. Eric Lopes is driving. Marco jumps out the passenger seat, and he grabs this creature with his bare hands. <clears throat> Didn't put up much of a fight, very feeble. Puts it in the back of the car. Off they go. And in fact, I think it was even on his lap. And they take it to one clinic. The doctor says, what is that thing? Get it out of here. So they take it to another place, uh, hospital. It ultimately ended up at Hospital Humanitas, but it might have gone to a place regional just prior to that. But in any case, probably like, and he, and he, and he had this, uh, Marco had this oil all over his body from coming in contact with this thing. And he said he got rubbing alcohol and he was putting rub alcohol, according to his family, putting rubbing alcohol. And um, and he had a cut on I think his shoulder right here from from the inc probably from the incident, and uh, he within I think it maybe two weeks he admitted himself to the hospital, um, and we interviewed his doctor that worked on him. It's also in the movie, and um, he got an infection. He was 23 years old, perfectly healthy. The doctor said he was throwing the book at him, every, the kitchen sink, everything, every type of antibiotic. Nothing was nothing. He said never in his career prior and never in his career after has he ever seen anything like it. His immune, immune system shut down and he died. Family obviously was devastated. They put him in the ground immediately. They wanted him in the ground as soon as possible for you could figure that why. why. <laughs> and um, eventually the military came to Marco Cherizzi's mother, and I know this because I interviewed the sister. And they said, what happened is true. Your son did handle that creature, but the story can never come out because the society would collapse. And that's what they told the mother. And that's wow. what the sister relayed, his sister, um, Marta, relayed to us on camera. And so that's what they believed in 1996. That's what Apparently, uh, Bigelow believes today. Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, do I believe that? From what I know, I don't. I think it's a little scary. You know, the unknown. It's a little scary. But hey, man, it's a big universe. 
And there's a lot out there, I'm sure. And there's so many, now they're talking about multiverses and different dimensions and it could be inter, yeah. inter, interdimensional. I mean, my God, we've only got six senses. Maybe it's all around us and we just can't detect it. And it just comes into the certain frequency and that's how we see it. Maybe, I don't know. Could be interplanetary, could be time travelers. It could be interdimensional. It could be all, all of the above, right? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Because people say to me, well, the distances are so vast. How on earth? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How am I supposed to know? Well, I'm just the reporter here. Listen, uh, I don't have I, the I'm answers. I uh, I backpacked Spain once. I did something called uh, El Camino de Santiago, where you walk all of Spain, right? I've and heard about the, this. And so at the very end, they have something called Finisterra, and that means end of the earth, right? And so that, because back in the day, that's what they thought the end of the earth was at that particular spot in Spain, right? So you walk up to the ocean, they would walk up, that like, that's it. There's no more. If you go out there, you know, Manuel, if you leave on that boat, bro, you ain't never coming back. Right. It's the same sort of scenario. I really believe that uh, to, to sort of get out, get over that thinking right um, of that. But but really back to that point, I, I honestly think if yeah. the world were to find out that this is, you know, they're alien, they're from another planet, whatever dimension. I honestly think people would go, oh, cool. Uh, hey, where are we going for dinner? <laughs> I really think it would just be literally Tuesday new and move on from it. I really think a, a, the humanity is that kind of like narcissistic and anyway. okay cool that is cool but hey oh, we still got God. shit to do i really you believe totally you're reminding me i was interviewing this family um and it was in arizona and it was the they call it the phoenix lights incident yeah yeah but it, but if you call it to the phoenix lights incident to the witnesses they get pissed off saying no it was the massive ufo flyover it wasn't wow. light. okay Big i'm interviewing this family and 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 they were uh a group of like 10 women, part of hospice. And they were just having tea in this woman's garden. And it was March 13th, 1997, about 7.30, 8 o'clock PM uh, in a rural area of, of Phoenix. They're having tea. And they said that this object was like a floating city. And I'll get to the relevance of this in a second. And it floated very slowly over the top of them while they're having tea. They looked up at it all together in unison, watched it. It took about five or 10 minutes to pass over the head. And then they went right back to having tea and didn't say a word. <laughs> and I looked at them and I said, uh, you guys didn't think about grabbing a camera and chasing it? No. What do you mean no? How could you possibly not have done that? You didn't talk about it? No. You didn't make a phone call? No. It was so hard for them to process what they were looking at that they just put it right out of their mind. It yeah. was like it went right back to having tea. Yeah. And I always remember that testimony. Wow. They couldn't wrap their, obviously, right? Yes. They couldn't wrap their mind around it. No reference. Just, right. Yeah, no, there, there were no reference. reference. There's, no, there's no place for that. There's no cubby hole for that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? I and that's America. They're they're America. Yeah. That or the world. No. I really I really no. feel the whole world would act like that. You might you might very well have a you know, have a very good point. I don't know. I mean I don't think the government has anything to worry about. Like we can handle it. I, I promise you, you know. Um 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, um, I really think uh, we would, it would just be nothing. I, I think see. that they're doing it. I, I asked a government official one day, I said, do you anticipate any type of disclosure? And he said, uh, come again. I said, you know, disclosure, like disclosing what we know. And he goes, um, yeah, think of it as disclosure with a small D. <laughs> so they let a little out, they'll leak a little more, test the water, how's everybody reacting? A little more comes out, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's quite possibly what's happening now. Again, as I said earlier in the show, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Sure, It's coming out. There's going to be apparently a big statement coming at the end of this month, October. Oh, wow. Uh, yep, there's going to be a fairly, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing some rumors circulate. Well, we know for a fact- Like from the government? Yes, the government's making a statement, the intelligence community, at the end of this month, that's happening. What they exactly say, wow. I don't know, but apparently things are moving in, in the right direction. I talk to huh. like my people within, you know, that tell me, that keep me kind of, you know, in the loop on things. Uh, so, so wow. yeah, and so those things are happening. Obviously, I'm going to keep putting pressure on. I want, I want answers. I want to know where that debris and the bodies from Virginia were taken. I want to know. I'm curious. You know, I don't make these films just for entertainment. I mean, this is like, I'm I'm just like a part of the citizenship. I'm Joe Public. I'm out there just trying to get answers, right? I really want to know what they know. And I feel like I get, the more I learn, the more pissed off I kind of get. Like, hey, man. We're entitled to this information too. We pay taxes. Like, I don't think you should feel privileged to the point where you can't trust the general population with this information. We should be entitled to it. I go after this stuff because I want to know. And I share the results of my personal investigations with the rest of the world. I don't ever try to ram anything down someone's throat. Yeah. I don't expect them to believe, don't believe me, because I wouldn't. What do I know? But listen to the witnesses. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like, sure. Just sure. listen to the witnesses. Like, yeah. I, I get personally attacked sometimes, and I just say to myself, well, well, hang on a second. What what am I saying? What statements am I making? I don't know what it is. Correct. Correct. I don't know where it's from. I don't know. I don't have those answers. Yeah. But there is incredibly compelling evidence that a UFO crashed in Virginia, Brazil, in January of 1996, and that there were live creatures, beings, ET, whatever you want to call them, recovered. One alive, one dead. And it went to the United States. That's the evidence is suggesting that the Americans were involved, according to the witnesses, both military and civilian. It went to the United States. Where? I'd like to know. And, and I'm going to follow up on that. And I'm also going to conti continue following up with, you know, photographic evidence, videotaped evidence. It's the holy grail. Of, it's what we all want. It's what the government's sitting on. So, oh yeah, or meeting you know, them, you know, an interview, right? Like oh, that would my. be great. Just, Can you imagine lighting for that? Uh, <laughs> hold on, put a little more on your black yeah. eye right there. That eye is so big and dark. I gotta lighten that up a little bit. <laughs> Can, can we put a little rouge? Yeah, mic check. Uh, yeah, let's get a mic check. He's going to need two mics. He's got two mouths. Okay. We got, yeah. Uh, look, how can uh, we record I, telepathy? Yeah. How, can, yeah. how do we get that on camera? 
Uh, he's like, I got a special camera for that. We have to put you, little, that. you know, those little yeah. blurb things that come, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Uh, look, at the beginning of the interview, you started talking about the, I don't want to miss that before we leave. Uh, yes. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but oh, uh, no, yeah, well. kind of bring it full circle here, which is uh, uh, the, the driver of yes. the vehicle oh right, that you went to see, right? Because you kind of just told that story, right? So this yeah. totally brings it back full circle. The guy's so, there. You, you go say, yeah, I'm going to let you just take it. From yeah. Me. So there's only one person alive that that knows what happened exactly that night. And that's the driver of the car, Eric Lopes. Eric Lopes has been hiding for 26 years. I've had seasoned Brazilian UFO research say, don't even bother trying. It's never going to happen. Never. We've offered all the money in the, you know, not going to happen. <clears throat> so I'm meeting with Marco Leal, my partner on the film, with the mayor of Virginia, Senor Verge, Verge Green. And to my astonishment, he basically says on camera that, you know, he's an elected official, that this incident happened. He knew the witnesses, a lot of the witnesses. He'd heard all the stories. He offers his assistance. This is a sitting mayor, not retired. Okay. So I said, let's take him up on that. We want to find the driver, Eric Lopes. So they found him for us. Wow. The mayor did. Yeah. Wow. Wow. They had his address. And it's funny, actually. I always listen to that little voice in my head. I always do, because it never fails me. And we met in the town square. And they said, well, we're going to take you out to his house. And then the rest is up to you. Okay, so they had a big black Mercedes. We were driving in a couple of uh, these little van things with sliding side doors, all of the gear and all that stuff. Two, we had two of those, a white and a gray one. And um, just as we were leaving, they were actually in the car, the Mercedes ahead of us. I jumped out of the from behind the driver's seat and I flagged him down. Said, Hold on, so I grabbed a translator. I said, you know. Um, would you mind walking up to the house with us? To the guy. I honestly think that saved my life. Wow. Because he had remembered Eric Lopes from grade school. He was now a famous, uh, it, was, there was, it was a lawyer and the son of the former like chief police or something. The mayor made the arrangements. The mayor did not come. Okay, but the mayor made the arrangements. He, he um, knew not to go. Yeah, he probably. Knew, he knew. <laughs> probably. Probably. Hey, but, a little heads up would have been nice. But yeah, nice. so so, camera's rolling. We get out there. Honestly, in the back of my mind, I had very low expectations. I didn't think he was going to be home. It was the middle of the day. Nobody would be able to reach this guy. The family of the guy who died is a really good friend of his, too. Marco, Marco, they couldn't get statements out of him about it. So um, I said to him, do you mind walking up with us? And he did. We got to the house. And that's uh, and, and, and the crazy thing is, before we had a chance to ask him anything, he came up to the window. He didn't come to the door. He was in a window on the second floor. The window was open. I don't even know if there was any way to close those windows. But anyway, he came up and he had his elbows kind of resting on the sill there. And he was looking down at us. Yeah. And 
And uh, the first thing out of his mouth was, if if you're here to talk about the ET, he's not going to, I'm not, he said, he's not going to say anything. So at first he said that it was uh, Eric Lopes' friend. I, I was trying to process because it was all going down really quickly. And my Portuguese is terrible. <laughs> sure. And it's all going very quickly, but I could feel the tension. Okay. And one thing that doesn't come across in that scene is I'm looking this guy in the eyes and all I can think is, I've never looked into anyone's eyes like this guy. He looked like he'd been harboring a secret for 26 years. I don't know how, how else to describe it. It was so intense. God, the weight of it all. I could just see it in his eyes and his face. Wow, I'll never forget it, man. I just looked at it. I'd yeah. never seen a face like that before. Absolutely. You know, I, I wish I could find the words to describe it better to you, but I was looking at his face and I thought, wow, this man has like really seen something, you know, yeah. he's been like, he's been shouldering this on him, but he was, but he was saying in the window, everyone here is about to get shot, you know, and I didn't really know I was confused. And, and there, you know, the, 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 the lawyer who was friends with the mayor who used to be a politician, he's looking at me. And at one point, and he's saying, it's over. We got to go. It's over. We got to go. And I kept pushing the fact I didn't realize because None of the translators said to me that he was threatening to shoot us three times. Bullets are going to start flying is what he was saying. He kept and saying, he was, like in the translation and the thing, you can see yeah. that, but you can't, yeah. you don't know. No, that I didn't know. Well, I yeah, didn't, exactly. I didn't know that he was saying that. Nobody told me. But I that's what was crazy because you kept pushing and I'm thinking, I dude, he's like saying he's going to shoot you. I didn't know that. And after the fact, <laughs> when I found out that's what he was saying, I was like, why didn't anybody <laughs> tell me that he was going to shoot me in the face? Like, Seriously? I well, was I was thinking this guy's got cojones. That's all I was thinking. James, oh, you, man, God. you got it. Look, I felt the intensity. I believe me, I felt that, but I had no idea he was get, saying we're about to get bullets are going to start flying. Like, but yeah. <laughs> and, but, but, it, but it, towards the end, the, and this doesn't really pick up on camera, the, um, the lawyer guy in, in the suit, he looked at me and he, he went like the look. Okay. He didn't speak English. But he looked at me like, we're getting the F out of here right now. And yeah. I, that's when I realized it's over. Like, it's there's over. something really serious. Like the way he looked at me was, if you care about yeah. your life, we're leaving now. Like that. If you want to finish kidding. this documentary, yes. we leave now. Yeah. Right? It, it, was, like, it was very intense. And then I'm, so then I'm like getting things translated. And we had the, we had the audio technician put headphones on and he's listening very carefully because they, the audio technician, this guy, Guy in the field, he had his boom pole up. But he had his head kind of behind the edge of the building a little bit because he could hear you're about to get all about to get shot, right? So he's sitting there listening to it. So he's kind of hiding behind a little bit. The cameraman, David West, uh, is trying to like zoom in on the face, but David is so paralyzed with fear because Dave knew something's going on. And so Dave, you know, he's never dropped the ball before, but he was like, he needed to zoom in better. But he was because the guy was looking at Dave going like this the whole time the cameraman like this yep. and yep. so dave was going jesus this is really intense and meanwhile wow. i'm trying to find out what's going on I'm like there were so many things going on in that scene right and i'm trying to figure out is this eric lopes or not will someone please let me know and i want to ask him just one question no no he won't ask i said no please let me ask you know i kept saying that it was crazy and then of course when we got back to the studio we're doing the translations. 
that's when I was, I, 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 in fact, I called Fernanda, our field, you know, translator, you know, and she was also a production assistant. And I, I was a little angry with her. I said, Fernando, I can't believe you're the translator in the field and you never told me this guy was going to shoot me. Like, I think it's information I should have known, you know? <laughs> Seriously. Like anyway, right away. The whole thing got spooky and then we were going to go meet with these other uh, witnesses. We just met with Military X. Or going to go meet with him after that. No, I think we just met with Military X and we were about to meet another military guy from the, as a military base. And that's when the phone calls started going out. So now I have... Wow. Eric Lopes threatening to shoot. He's part of intelligence. He's upset that we went to his house with a camera. Believe me. Was that a gun on the... That's a, we don't know, but we looked, we've analyzed it to death. He's got one hand below the seal and that hand remains there the whole time. Bro, it looks like so, a gun. That, that, believe um, me, believe me, we all, that's what we all were thinking was he had it ready. What else is it? I mean, let's be real. That's what I mean, like. What well, else? He's a military Pongs? intelligence. He's military I mean, intelligence guy. He's he's a trained. You know, it's he's just looking by got, his house. He's got a gun to protect himself. Of right? course, like, he does. That's uh, right. Like that totally makes sense. Of course, he does. He threw out of the threat of bullets. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, I man, I, you guys were all uh, bullets are going to start flying anyway. So I got spooked. Oh, it was spooky. It was spooky because you 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 have that, but on top of that, you're hearing that they're threatening their own. Their own military men are threatened, according to them. And, I, and we tracked them down. I cannot imagine why they would make that up. They're terrified. We know that. We interviewed, we, we almost interviewed the former chief police, chief of police. And they said they were terrified. They were, they were terrified for their safety, for their security. So that's, that's people that are part of that organization that are part of that military. Okay. So what do you think they, they, they how they feel about me coming in there and poking around? Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a yeah. reality. Sure. I'm, we are trying to expose quite possibly one of the biggest secrets in Brazilian history. Okay. So don't think for a moment that that's not on my mind. I, I realize that sometimes you get caught up like, Hey, we're shooting a doc. This is great. But we're stepping on some big toes. Sure. They were threatened. I'm hearing from every witness I talk to that are all threatened. Every one of them is telling me this. They're terrified. So I have to think about my security. I mean, those things are weighing on you. They're in the back of your mind. I mean, I'm spooked right now to go back to Brazil. You sure. know, I have a family. I have an eight-year-old son. No, I got it. Oh, I don't know. I, You know. I mean, once the film comes out, our profiles would be higher. And if anything happened to us at this point, I mean, it would be kind of obvious, right? So I don't think they would do that. But they could throw a kilo of Coke in my bag, and then I'm locked up in jail in Brazil for the rest of my life. Oh, my you know? gosh. Going through tough yeah. Oh, my goodness. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, are you, you scheduled know, to shoot there anytime soon to go back? I'm, I'm or? supposed to go back in January, but, I'm, you know, I, I'll go back, you know. Um, we'll see how this whole thing unravels. I have no idea how it's going to unfold. I don't know if the government's going to make a statement. You know, they had congressional hearings in Brazil recently on the topic of UFOs. Um, what, there's one thing uh, that I didn't share that I will share. And this is something that was a bit of an advantage that I had. In 2013, I'd been looking into this case for about two years at that point, 2013, 2014. Marco Leal, my co-producer, 
partner, gets an interview with a guy named Jose Carlos Pereira. He's a brigadier general, Air Force. And he agrees to talk about UFOs in Brazil. It's on camera. He says, but don't talk about Virginia. If you talk about Virginia, this interview is over. Jesus. Okay. Really? <laughs> so we didn't. We promised him that we wouldn't. Otherwise, he wasn't going to go on camera. Yeah. This is 2013. I know I just said that. 2013, 2014 at the latest. At the end of it, cameras were off. I came up to Jose Carlos Pereira and I begged him and I promised him on my life that there were no cameras and no recording devices rolling. And I said, please. And Marco did too. Please, please, please tell us about Virginia. Please, we want to know. And he was getting in the back of his, uh, he had a driver waiting for him and he was getting back in the car. He, I think he sat down in the seat and he looked at us and he said, it happened. And he closed the door and off he drove. Wow. And so I had that level of validation early on in production where I just simply can't imagine why he would lie to us. Sure. He wouldn't talk about it on camera. He didn't want to make any comments on it. We begged him. I'm not kidding you. When I tell you I was on my hands and knees begging, I was. And so was Marco. And he, and he, we looked him in the eyes. We were begging him, please, just tell us so we know. The reason why I'm sharing this story now is he died a few years later. But I knew that. <clears throat> but I, so I had that, that confirmation from a brigadier, Air Force, Brazilian, very high level, uh, early on. And so that kind of was my driving force. That little moment was kept, kept us going, kept Marco and I going, that this case wow did happen of course we uncovered you know it took years 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 but we uncovered more evidence on this case in the history of the case unequivocally <clears throat> it's gonna oh, rattle it's, it's gonna rattle what you put together oh yeah what, what you put together is honestly magnificent it starts with a bang and you don't think it can at least in my it's like how can this go like even crazier and it just does but in a just such a compelling way. I really got to say, you really present it in, uh, in such a compelling way. Look, I got one more question for yes, you, James, please. Um, before you go. Um, yes, uh, congratulations on the film. I do have a, you know, something that I just wanted to ask. Just while you were talking, it got me thinking. Um, so I told you we were going to interview Lou Elizondo, right? So yes. I have a source um, that told me that Lou Elizondo is working in conjunction with this book coming out. Also, a top secret project is all he would say, right? Um, I couldn't go further on it. I can't really say who it is at all. Um, and then you told me about the government, this thing at the end of October. Do you think there's anything? Have you heard anything about this? Do you know anything about that? Am I? Well, I just this? know that people like Lou and Mellon and, and so forth are uh, diligently at it every day, pushing for government transparency. That I know that they are putting the pressure on, keeping the pressure on. Uh, I mean, every time I text Lou, he's always off in Washington, D.C., or he's traveling, you know what I mean? And he's like, lots of things are happening. So there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. And I think that Lou has dedicated his life to getting his story out. I really I really believe that. And and as is, you know, Christopher Mellon and, and um, you know, Gary Nolan's been doing a lot uh, publicly lately too, which is great. <clears throat> I think the phenomenon 
I was very proud of that that piece. That piece. I think it really kind of opened doors a little bit and encouraged for more people to come forward. I think it made much more of an impact behind closed doors. Um, oh, that's awesome. That that's that, great. that that the climate has changed. It's okay to talk about this. This is no longer a career killer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, it was the best UFO documentary I'd ever seen. And I got to say, after I saw this last one, I, dude, you're just, you're crushing it right now. Oh, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I really, I mean that. Like, I, you know, it, I just, I can't even tell you how, because um, they can just be a little whatever sometimes. You watch yeah. some, I just, I'm not into the, you know, whatever. It can just get a little crazy. I'm right there with you. You just have such a way of, of uh, presenting it that's, that's, um, that just adds a legitimacy to it. And, um, and your tenacity, I'll use that word again, your tenacity in the, you know, making these really adds to it, man. You're just never willing to let things go. You want to go right over that hill to get the next piece of evidence, right? One more question, one last yeah. thing. You keep pushing. Just thank you from the rest of us out here watching. And, you know, just thank you so much for, for everything. You and your crew. I know you have a lot of people, but, mm -hmm. you know, that are helping yeah. you and working. Yep. So the, big thanks to them uh, yeah, as well you. for, for everything y'all are doing. And yeah, man, just what a great film. And I really super enjoyed this conversation, man. I could talk to you for hours about this. Oh, stuff. I me love too, this right. stuff. I uh, really do. I love yeah. this stuff. It's so fascinating <laughs> to me. Really it is. Um, so, I'm going to keep you. pushing and fighting and I appreciate all the support out there. I really do. Don't think for a moment it doesn't go unnoticed or it goes unnoticed because it doesn't. You got Texas right here behind. I you, couldn't, man. I couldn't do it without you guys. I really just couldn't. And you guys just know that I'm out there with my team fighting like hell to get the truth out. That's awesome, man. No, again, from Texas, we, we appreciate it. And thank you. Keep the fight going. And this was awesome. I really, I mean that. This was so fascinating. Thank you guys. It was so fun, much. man. Thanks for having me on. Seriously. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Lone Star Plate podcast with your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. For more info, go to lonestarplate.show. Thank you.